Anybody excited this morning? Come on. Amen. I am so excited this morning. Look at my excited face. Praise God. We still got some moms standing. You can take this out of the monitors. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen, amen, amen. No good? You want me to take the other one? Give me the other one, Mark. Praise God. Come on, praise God, somebody. There it goes. Woo. All right, we ready to rock. Here's the quote. I like to start with a quote. Here's the quote this morning. Come on. Lean in, lean in. This is a good one. Your greatest contribution to the kingdom of God might not be something you do, but someone you raise. See, if I had a handheld mic, I just would have dropped it and walked off the stage. Your greatest contribution to the kingdom of God might not be something you do, but someone you raise, someone you impact, someone you have an effect on. So, so sometimes, you know, we think our, we, we, we get caught up in our calling and what are we called to do, but your greatest contribution to the kingdom of God might be someone that you have an effect on. Somebody say praise God. Come on. I want to I talk about that today. I came across a phrase last week in something that I read. And I heard it in a podcast and I was listening to it and it just, it stuck with me. I'm going to paint a picture for you this morning because when I'm done, I believe this is, this is one of those things that, that I'm, I'm praying that will stick with us. That we'll always kind of see this and we'll always think about this and refer back. That's my goal for, for, for me, for you, for all of us this morning. You know those places in your life where you sense a presence there for for if for some of you it might be a good presence it might be a bad presence but you know there's there's something about certain pres something places that you feel a presence there for me i'll tell you growing up it was two two places the catholic church and the botanica Only two people laugh because you know what a botanica is. <laughs> the botanica, for those of you that don't know, you know those little creepy stores? They're usually named after a saint. They're always in the bad neighborhoods. And the window is all full of statues of saints and Indians and, and spirits. And it's just a creepy vibe. And if you go into there, there's, there's, there's card readings and tarot readings and spiritual nonsense and boberia. And, and you can buy chains and amulets and, and, and madeojos. You can buy all that stuff there. You can buy spells. You can buy spirits. None of you better be going into those places. Or I'll have, I'll have Victor, our MMA guy, just knock, throw you a beating. But there was something about that place where you, you sense there's a, there's a presence here. You, you know what I'm talking about. And then, and then for me, the other place was the, I grew up, you know, going to Catholic church. And, and the other place right around my neighborhood, there was a Catholic church. 
And there's, there's something about a Catholic church that's, that's, it's, you know, you might have different experiences, but for me, it, it, the buildings are so majestic. They're so perfect, right? Right? Something's going to happen here. Come on. Come on. Come on. I don't, I don't care because Jesus didn't need a mic. I don't need one either if, I don't, if we don't get one. So we're just, we're just going to go. But the Catholic Church, there's, 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 a, there's a reverence there. There's a, there's a presence there, right? You could be the most hardened criminals. I grew up right in the neighborhood of one. And you could see guys walking down the block, the worst guys in the world, right? They're telling a story and they're like, no, man, so you know what? I sh so I was shanking them with a spoon. You know, the guy was bleeding everywhere. And then they come right in front of the church and they're like, And then they keep walking, and then as soon as they pass the border, and so that dude was bleeding everywhere, and it was crazy, you know? Because there's a presence there, you know what, you know what I'm saying? There's a sense of, of dwelling there for many. You, you might have it in, 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 your, in, your, in your life, you know, for, for some of you it could be like grandma's house. Grandma's house could be like an awesome, you know, place where you feel just safe, where you feel the presence of God maybe. You could have, we all, all, all Hispanics have a titi that's a bruja. So it could be titi bruja's house, right? You go there, you know there's something crazy when you, she might be here with you, so don't raise your hand. <laughs> Praise God, maybe God's doing something. Praise God. But you know, you go into that house and there's, there's a broom by the door. There's a cup of water by the door. There's a saint and there's a couple of napkins. There's a, you, you, you know what I'm talking about, right? And there's a presence that you just feel there. There's a sense of, of dwelling. After, after you walk with the Lord for a while, you can walk into a place and, and, and sense things, right? You can sense there's something mm, and there's something awesome. Well, the, the Celtic Christians in Ireland, they have a term for this that they've used since the 5th century for these good places. They call them thin places. Thin places. Uh, according to them, a thin place is a place where heaven touches earth. Uh, a thin place is a place where you can sense the dwelling of the divine and you can feel closer to his presence, right? So the, the Celtics call it uh, a thin place. The, the psalmist writes in Psalm 84, how lovely is your dwelling place. My soul yearns, even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Verse 4, blessed are those who dwell in your house, for they're ever praising you. Verse 10, better is one day. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I, with the psalmist says, I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. Praise God. Now let's be clear about something because I don't want you to get any wrong teaching here. God is everywhere. And there's no place that God isn't. Okay, so let's not, it's not saying that God can only be in these thin places. God is everywhere. The, another psalmist declares in Psalm 139, where can I go to flee from your spirit? He, sa he says, where can I flee from your presence? If I go to the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and light become night around me, even the darkness won't be dark to you. Praise God. But all throughout the Old Testament, every time the people of God experienced a thin place, a place where the boundaries between heaven and earth are, are seem to be thinner there, you kind of feel something there. Every time in the Old Testament, when they experienced a thin place, they, they put stones up or they built an altar there as a remembrance 
to mark, to mark that thin place, to make it a memorial that people would remember what happened there. Amen? So uh, one, one example, Joshua 3 and 4. God wanted to show the people that he was with Joshua the same way he was with Moses. And so he brought him to the Jordan River and he tells Joshua, have one man for each from every tribe of the 12 tribes. Have one man each carry the ark and have them walk into the Jordan River. And, 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 and the word says that, they, that each of them did it and they, they each walked. And the moment that their souls stepped in the water, the water parted. Oh, come on. And so, so imagine uh, as soon as their souls were in the water, the water pulled back. So the people could pass on dry ground. So uh, this is an incredibly life-changing story, right? If it happened to us, we'd, we'd, be, we'd never forget it, right? And so they, 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 God tells them when they finished crossing over, God said, put 12 stones on the other side of the Jordan, one for each tribe, as a reminder to you that you would tell this story to your children, that you would tell this story. This is something good. God is saying, listen, there was a thin place here. This is a place where heaven touched earth. This is a place where you experienced the miracle, where you experienced the hand of God. Make a memorial there, put 12 stones, so that people would remember to tell this story. Amen? See, the Jordan was a thin place. It was a place where heaven touched earth. It, the, the key, though, is not to make it about the place. Because it wasn't about the place. Because if you make it about the place, people will come and worship the Jordan. And they start calling to the saints of the water. We Hispanics are good at that. Right? And they start calling to, you know, this, this saint and that saint. No, it, it wasn't about the place. It was about the belief of the people. Can you imagine? I, I could only imagine like telling my team, getting the team together, and I'm saying, all right, guys, we got to get all these people to the other side of uh, the, the Henry Hudson. We got to go to Jersey, only we're not going to take the bridge. We're going to go right to the, to the Riverside Drive, and we're going to go right to the water, and I want you, the leaders, I want you to just start walking into the water. Can you imagine like the belief that that would take on their behalf? They, they're saying, um... You know, pastor, I'm going to walk in faith, but as soon as the water gets here, I'm stopping. <laughs> I'm not going to die for you, pastor. You know, you're a man. You could be wrong. <laughs> Amen. And, and, and I don't blame them. But these guys took it. It says as soon as they stood, as soon as their feet, the soles touched the water, the water pulled back. Can you imagine the power you would feel? Can you imagine how, the, how that would increase your trust in God? How, how it would shatter your faith and rebuild it again at the same time? Amen? So when the, it was the obedience that stopped. So the people is what became a thin place. Not the place. Amen? So all throughout the Old Testament, there were moments like this. I love the story of Jacob in Genesis 28. Jacob had just tricked his brother. You might know that story. He tricked his brother. He stole the birthright, and his brother was big. His brother was like Drew, you know, and he was coming back to kill him. And so Jacob said, I got to be out. And so Jacob went running. And so Jacob is fleeing. He's leaving. He's leaving his people, his family. He's leaving. He's fleeing. And at this point, he's in the middle of a desert. In the middle of nowhere, and the word says the night came, and he laid down and put his head on a rock as a pillow. Anybody ever used a rock as a pillow? To, uh, can, would you understand that something's got to be really bad in your life if you're using rocks as pillows? Amen? Can we agree? And so he was sleeping in the desert, and God gave him a dream. And in this dream, it was the heavens were open, and there was a, a stairway. And, and God was at the top in the heavens of the stairway, and there were angels coming up and down and up and down on it. And then God spoke to him. It's an incredible picture that, and God spoke to him in verse 28. It says, behold, I am with you. And I will keep you wherever you go. And I will bring you back to this land. For I will not leave you until I have done what I've promised to do. It's such an incredible picture of someone that's running away because of what he's done. Some of you are here today. Some, of someone who's running away because of what he's done. He's lying on the ground with a rock as his pillow. And God meets him right there and tells him, I'm still with you. Somebody here needs to hear that. I'm still with you. 
I'm still with you. And I won't leave you until my promise is done. Tell somebody the promise is still on. So there in the middle of nowhere, God created this thin place. A thin place where heaven touches earth. And, and this was actually a picture. The, the ladder and the stairway was actually a picture that was fulfilled later in the New Testament. It's a picture of Jesus becoming the stairway by which we can enter heaven and, and heaven can touch us. Amen? So Jacob takes the stone that he used as a pillow. This is, this is bad. He takes the stone that he used as a pillow and he turns it up and he pours oil over it. I don't mean like he turns it up. I mean he turns it right side up. It's difficult preaching this generation, man. Everything means something else, you know? So he, he stands the rock up and he pours oil over it and he says, I want this to be a reminder of where God met me at my lowest. I want this to be what he's saying when he turned the rock upside down and stood it up and poured oil on it. He's saying, I'll never use this rock as a pillow again. Because God said he's with me, and God said he's going to go with me, and God said he's not going to stop until the promise is fulfilled. Church, sometimes, not always, but sometimes rock bottom is a thin place. Come on, praise God, somebody. Sometimes rock bottom is a thin place where God meets us and reminds us that he's still there. And the promises are still on. So, okay, as we continue through the Old Testament, God started to allow people to actually build dwelling places where he would be. Right? And so they built, they, they, he, Mo, Moses built the Ark of the Covenant. And the Ark of the Covenant was, was this elaborate structure that God told him to build and how to build it to put the Ten Commandments inside of it. And so the Ark of the Covenant itself was a dwelling place. It was a thin place. Wherever the Ark of the Covenant was, the, the presence of God was. And how many know sometimes that's a good thing and sometimes that's a bad thing? Amen? The, the Ark of the Covenant was the first moving thin place. It was the first moving sanctuary. The ark would be a picture of the church, but that's later on. I'll get to that in a minute. But wherever the ark was, the presence of the Lord was. At one point, because of Israel's disobedience, the Philistines captured the ark. And they take the ark. This is the enemy now. People that don't believe in the Lord, they take the ark and they had no place to put it. So they put it in one of their temples. This is a great story. They take the ark and they put it in one of their temples, the temple that belonged to one of the guys that they serve called Dagon. Dagon was this big, you know, they had this huge statue inside this temple. He's like half fish, half man. You know, they make gods out of everything. And so they put the ark of the covenant inside the temple with Dagon. The next morning when they come in, Dagon is on his face, bowed down before the ark of, of the covenant. And, and so they said, whoa, 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 whoa. Who did this? This is crazy. What's going on here? And so they stood their God back up. How many of you want to serve a God that you got to stand back up? Anyway. So they stood Dagon back up. And they put him back in his proper place. They said, this is your temple. This is a temple of Dagon. This isn't a temple of that God, the God of the Israelites. So they put him back in his place. The next morning when they came, Dagon was on his face again, but this time his head was cut off and his arms were cut off. Whoa. God was saying, I'm going to rip the head off of this God because he knows nothing, and I'm going to take his arms off because he can do nothing. And so the people finally started to get the picture that you cannot have the presence of God and not serve him. And so they started to say, we got to get rid of this ark. This ark got to leave our town. We got to get this thing out of here. Okay? They started to realize, see, too many people want the blessings without belief. Go ahead, step on the person next to you. Say, eso fue para ti. No, no, don't do that. That's rude. Don't be obnoxious. Come on. See, God won't be put in a place where he's just another God. Amen? 
He won't be put in a You can't have God and, and something else. You can't have God and be an espiritista. You can't have God and do some santeria on the side. You can't have God and read the horoscopes. You can't have God and get your tarot card read. You can't have God and something else. God said, I'm in or I'm out. God won't be put in a place where he's just another God. He said, put me there. I'll take the head and the arms off of that thing. Woo! See, some people experience a thin place and it makes them uncomfortable. It's getting hot in here. Some people will experience a thin place and be uncomfortable because they don't have fellowship with that God. And we can say, well, but, but wait, you know, some people will come into a church where the presence of God is felt and they'll be uncomfortable. And they'll be dying to leave. And they're always looking at their clock. And they're looking at their watch. And they go to the bathroom six times. And they get coffee four times. And they want to speak to an usher. And they want to speak to somebody. Why? Because inside there, something's happening. They're uncomfortable in the presence. They realize that they're in a thin place. And in a thin place, God is close. And it makes them uncomfortable. And we can say, but wait, the, the presence of God should bring comfort to everybody. No. The presence of God, sometimes God will convict you before he'll comfort you. As a matter of fact, most of the time, God will have to convict you before he comforts you. God's more concerned with your convictions than your comfort anyway. That's why some people will meet you and not like you right off the bat. Amen? And it's not because you're a jerk, but it's because you're a thin place. I, I. You're a thin place. I'm, I'm going to get to that in a minute. Wait for it. Wait for it. See, the scriptures tell us they went from moving thin places, the Ark of the Covenant, to a fixed thin place. And, and in the, in the, in the old, they, they allowed Solomon, God allowed Solomon to build him the first temple. And the, the, the first temple that was built was to be a home for the Ark of the Covenant. And so this temple served as a place where the presence of God was to be experienced in that time. Amen. And the temple was great because the temple helped people reconcile, get right with God through sacrifices. The temple was great because it helped people to be directed by God through teaching. The temple was great because it helped people communicate with God through prayer. And the temple was also awesome because it helped people enjoy God. Through ceremonies and, and, and um, celebrations and festivals. I don't know if you guys realize, but the God of Israel, the God that we serve, he's like a party God. This, I don't mean to, don't take offense to that. You know how many ceremonies, how many festivals? He says, celebrate this. God will throw five-day parties. How come the world thinks that they can party more than we do? No. No. We could party without the guilt. We could party without being somebody's baby daddy the next day. We could party without the hangover. We could party. Come on. So the temple was an awesome place because it, it, it helped people enjoy God. It helped people communicate with God. It helped people be directed by God. It helped people be reconciled to God. Now, although the temple had its limitations, the temple was a thin place. It was a place where heaven touches earth. It was a place where the boundaries between the sacred and the secular were thin. It was a, a place where you can feel the presence of God. Amen? And so the first temple was, was destroyed by its enemies. Later on, the second temple was built many years later, but it was never the same because the Ark of the Covenant was not in it. So the presence of God was not the same in this place fast forward new testament john 1 it says and the word became flesh jesus comes and and now in the beginning we'll see jesus being a part of the temple he's making regular visits to the temple but as he steps into the fullness of his identity he begins to take the place of the temple and slowly we see where people went to the temple to offer sacrifice for forgiveness jesus was just granting forgiveness to people right in the street and so he was bypassing 
all the all, all the religion of the and and, and that's what made the, the the Jews and the Pharaoh everybody so tight because you're 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 circumventing all people. We need the sacrifice. We need to collect the money for the sacrifice. We need to you know and we need to go through all that to be forgiven. How can you just bump into the the, the beggar on the street and say your sins are forgiven? See, Jesus was taking the place of the of the temple. And so by, by forgiving our sins under his own authority, Jesus implied that the temple and the sacrifices were no longer going to be necessary. And that's what made people so angry with them, the religious people so angry. Further, by speaking of himself with temple imagery, Jesus also suggested that he's going to replace the temple. And in John 2, he makes it clear when the Jews were pressing him to, to prove that he had the authority to forgive. They were like, give us a sign. What sign do you give us that you have this authority? Jesus tells them in John 2, he says, destroy this temple and I'll raise it in three days. So he referred to himself as a temple. And they, they didn't get it at first. They said, well, you, three days, the Jews replied in verse 20, it has taken 46 years to build this temple. And you're going to raise it in three days? And the verse says, but the temple he had spoken of was his body. And after he was raised from the dead, the disciples recalled what he had said. And they believed the scripture and the words that Jesus had spoken. See, Jesus became the temple. And so now, everywhere we read in scriptures that Jesus goes, he becomes this mobile temple. Catch this, catch this. Don't, don't, don't tune out. I'm almost done. <laughs> I don't want to lie, but yeah, yeah, I'm close. I'm close. I'm close. Catch this. Everywhere Jesus goes, he becomes this mobile temple. So wherever he is, the temple is with him. Wherever he is, he becomes a thin place. Stay with me. His first recorded miracle, you know the first recorded miracle, right? He's chilling at a wedding. He's kicking it back with his boys, and they run out of Moscato. <laughs> and, and, and they're out of Moscato, and everybody's going to get frantic because it's going to be an embarrassment to the family. And, and Jesus' mom talks to the waiters. He said, listen, just my son got this. Just do whatever he tells you to do. And you know the story? Jesus tells the waiters, Take those water jugs and fill them and then serve it to the people. And the waiters are like, oh my God, these people are not drunk enough to think that water is wine. Right? But, but they do it. They're like, all right, whatever. He said to do it. So they fill it and they pour it and they pour this water to people. And people are like, oh my God, this is the top notch stuff. This is the wine that none of us could afford. You know, this is the one in the private room in the, in the store. This is the top notch Moscato. Amen. And, and the, the interesting thing about that is, you, you, you know, not everybody knew what ju had just happened. But wherever Jesus was, there was a thin place. The waiters knew. A thin place where the supernatural became natural. Amen? Not everyone at the wedding knew what just happened, but the waiters knew. The disciples knew. Those around him knew what he, what he had just done. And you've heard all the miracles. You know, the other time he was preaching to the 5,000. And, and, and his disciples say, listen, man, you got to tell these guys to get out because it's getting late and we can't feed all these people. There's 5,000 men here. That means with the women and children, it's a whole lot more. And these, these people are going to eat, right? So get them out of here. It's getting late. And Jesus tells them, well, what do we have? And he took what they had and he made it more than they needed. Come on. He took what they had and made it more than what they needed. See, wherever Jesus stood was a thin place where little became much. And so these temples that they built for God in those days, they had three, you know, they had a multiple levels, but at the mo most part they had these three levels. There was the outer court where everybody could go. There was the inner court where only the Jewish people could go. And then there was the Holy of Holies. And that's only the high priest could get into that place. And that was only one time. He couldn't even just go in there wherever he wanted. He could only go one time a year. And so the, the, the temple had these divisions and the Holy of Holies had this huge curtain from the top of the temple to the bottom. And it had angels sewn into the fabric of this temple. 
and, and nobody could go, that area was limited to only the high priest. When Jesus gave his life on the cross, one of the events that were recorded at his death was as soon as he gave up his life, the temple curtain ripped from the top to the bottom. It's important that it ripped from the top to the bottom. Because if it ripped from the bottom, it means man ripped the temple curtain. But if it ripped from the top, it means God ripped the temple curtain. Come on. So he was signifying by his death that the shedding of his blood, the, the sacrifice of his body, it paid the price. There was no longer a separation between him and us. It's, it's better than that, though. Not only did the veil was torn, our status, he changed our status. Here's what I want you to get. Pay attention. In 1 Peter 2.9, he says, but you are a chosen people. You are a royal priesthood. A holy nation, a people belonging to God that you might declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness. So he gave us access and he made us priests. He made you a priest, Rick. Like you're a priest. That's not correct. Like we got a priest sitting right over here. And like CJ's a priest. We got a priest in a bow tie. We got a priest in jeans. We got a priest in sneakers. We got a priest in a suit. We got a priest in a tank top. We got a priest in a t-shirt. We got a priest in a, in a button down. We, there's priests in here. What's a priest? A priest is just somebody that intercedes for a person or a place or a nation. He made us priests. So he created us to be thin places. Get this. You and I are a thin place. I remember back in, in the, this was the 90s, we would hear of all these revivals. I don't know how many of you were Christians back in the 90s, but you hear about all these revivals breaking out in different places. I'm, how many of you remember the Brownsville revival? Two people, amen. Okay. Good crowd. So the Brownsville revival, it started in, in, in Pensacola, in, in Brownsville, in, in, down in uh, Florida. And it, it, it started, it was a Pentecostal movement that started on Father's Day of 1995. And, and this, it was pretty amazing. People from all over the world were coming to the Brownsville to be a part of these services. I'll, I'll read you a little expert excerpt from a writer that wrote about it this way in 1998. He, in 98, so this has already been three years going on. He writes, all told, more than 2.5 million people have visited the church. Their Wednesday through Saturday evening revival services where they sang rousing worship music. This guy wasn't a Christian. And he heard old-fashioned sermons on sin and salvation. And after the sermons were over, hundreds of thousands accepted the invitation to leave their seats and to rush forward to this large area in front of the stage-like altar. And here they got right with God. So 2.5 million people came through this Brownsville revival. And this was just in 98. It didn't finish for another two or three years. And so it was, it, it was an amazing time, and we heard all about it. And back then, our Pastor Gary, if you knew him, he was a thin place hunter. Pastor Gary, he, he, he searched for wherever God was doing something, and he wanted to be there. That's just who he is. That's still who he is. Amen? He just wants to be where God is doing something. But back then, he was a hunter. He'd jump on a plane. He'd get in a car, drive 16 hours to go anywhere that he heard God was moving in some kind of way because he wanted so bad to be so hungry for God. Amen? And so we heard about this revival, and we bought the tapes, and we, bought, and we sang the songs, and we bought the books, and we studied, and we preached the sermons from Steve Hill and, and Pastor uh, Kilpatrick. And, you know, we wanted to be just like whatever was happening there. We wanted to imitate it so that God would do it here in the Bronx where we were. We wanted that, that, that revival, right? And so one day, Pastor Gary and I, we got to go. Our pastor said, listen, we're going to Brownsville. We're taking the ministry team, and we're going to Brownsville. You know, after I got Gary off the floor, was he just like, Pff. he was so excited. He was so excited. I wish he was here today. But it's better to talk about it when he's not here. So one day we got to go. Man, we were so excited. 
And I'll be honest with you, I was, you know, I had mixed feelings about this whole thing, you know, and I had whatever. But I had these private petitions with God. I said, God, you know, I, this is what I want you to change in my life. I want, this is what I need to happen. This is, you know, I want some supernatural stuff to change in me. And, and so we get down to Florida the night before the service. Now, these were evening services during the week. The evening services started at 730, but you had to be there at 6 in the morning to wait online for an evening service. Do, do you understand the hunger that people had for God? You had to be there 6 in the morning in the parking lot. That means people came with their coolers. They came with lunch. They came with barbecue grills. They came with everything they could come to stand in this parking lot online to wait for an evening service. Don't judge me. You, some of you do that for a video game or a pair of sneakers. Say it ain't true. All right. So anyway, let's move on. So we went. We got there early. We got on this line. And you can imagine, when you have people that are that hungry for a move of God, even on the line, things are going to happen. Amen? And so we had, me and Gary had an amazing time. We had some great times there. We, you know, we had to take turns kind of waiting in line for the team. They would go eat. They would come back. Somebody, you always had to have somebody there because Christians would still get grimy. They'll cut you. Right? So we had to be there. Okay, so anyway, long story short, we, we get in. I experienced it. I heard the worship. I heard the message of salvation. We heard the call to be prayed for. And they made a call for people that just wanted to go and be prayed for. I just grabbed Gary's belt, and before I knew it, I was there at the front. My man was, we went through hundreds of people. And I'm there at the, at the front behind Gary. And it happened. Something happened, right? The, I don't remember if it, I think it was Steve Hill, the evangelist that kind of, you know, that God used to start it. He, he came and he was just touching. At that point, there was, they weren't praying for nobody. They were just slapping people on the forehead. Bam, bam, bam. And people were just hitting the floor, hitting the floor everywhere. You know, you know that kind of Pentecostal scene, right? And so everybody's hitting the floor, hitting the floor. And they come to me and they touch me on the forehead. And I'm like... Because I wasn't going to be the only heathen standing up. Right? Come on, how many of you gave it a courtesy drop at some Pentecostal services growing up? It's not fake, you're just being respectful. That's how I see it. I lay myself gracefully down on the floor and just pray. I, I was scared. I'm at Brownsville and I'm not hitting the floor. They're going to think there's Satan in me or something, you know? So, all right, you know, eventually, whatever, you know, we get up. We came home. And I had, we came home Saturday night before a Sunday service. And I had scheduled the leaders meeting. I was a youth pastor back then. I had a little youth leadership team. A lot of them are still here with me. Praise God. Um... I had scheduled a leadership meeting after that Sunday, and, and so we went to somebody's house after service, and we gathered around, and, and it was Sandy's apartment. Where's Sandy? She's probably inside counting. We were in, in, it was Sandy and Melissa's apartment at the time, so it was Sandy and Melissa's apartment. You remember that? And we sat there, and I just started telling the team, well, you know, I mean, Bronzeville was interesting, and I was telling them the story and whatever, and I had nothing to really give them. I was just sharing my experience. Before I knew it, the entire team started weeping, and they started crying and repenting, and, and, and there was a move of God in this apartment like I had seen at Brownsville. And I said, what's going on here? I didn't say nothing. I didn't touch anybody. I didn't, and, and I was baffled by it. I, I was about to tell them, I came to tell them that nothing happened at Brownsville. And they're, they're, now they're all over the apartment. Oh, Jesus. Oh. They're repenting of their sins. They're, they're apologizing to each other. They're, they're making peace and making peace with God. There, it was an incredible move of God in this apartment. And I came to tell them nothing happened to me. And it was then that I realized I'm a thin place. 
I'm a thin place. It's not a building. It's not a place. It's the people of God. Come on, praise God, somebody. I realize that I am a place for people to experience God at. I'm a place for people to experience forgiveness. I'm a place where people could find reconciliation. I am a thin place. And just so you don't think I'm boasting on me, you are a thin place. You are a place where people could experience God. Every one of you are a place where people could find forgiveness, where people could see God, where people could have a relationship with God at you. I want this to change your life. You're a thin place. 1 Corinthians 3.16 says, Don't you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit of God? And so the best place, I wanted to leave a picture with you today as I close, I promise. The best place that God showed me to illustrate this to you, to, to today's generation, a thin place is like a Wi-Fi hotspot. Come on. This, this is a, 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 a Wi-Fi hotspot. Anybody know what a hotspot is? I know there's some of you that still don't know what the internet is. Let me try to bring you up real quick. How do we... Uh... You know that $60 that you pay files for to connect to the internet? Right? That creates a, a hotspot in your house so that your computer could connect to the internet. Right, So this is a mobile connection of that. This is a hotspot. And so wherever this is, people can connect to the provider. See, a hotspot is it's a local, local contained area. This is, this is so awesome. It's usually not a big space. It's not a huge range. It's just a small space where anyone that's in this range could get connected to the provider and have access. So in Christ, we are spiritual hotspots. Wherever I take this hotspot... A few people, not everybody, if, if I've turned this on right now and all of you started trying to connect your phone to it, after about eight people, it would stop. So not everybody. But wherever I take this hotspot, a few people around me, those closest to me, would have a connection. And this is a picture of the church. This is a picture of the church. Listen to this quote. When you speak of the church as a thin place, it means that I, I, I mean that God makes himself known through his people, both as they're gathered and as they're scattered. Oh, come on. So thus, when my church gathers for worship on Sunday, we are, or should be at any rate, a thin place. But when we go out into the world, we become several hundred thin places. We and the other Christians in town are portable thin places. We, we don't have to look for thin places any longer. We are those thin places. Listen to me. Some of us are so concerned with what we've done and who we've been that we hide our hot spots. We, we turn them off. We, we try to, but we can't. We turn them off and we hide them. We put them in that little easy pass bag that doesn't let a signal out. And we hide our hot spot. And what happens because of that, as a result of that, people around us will never get connected to God. People around us will never experience the forgiveness and the love of God. Listen, this is the most evangelistic message I could ever give you. Don't hide your hot spot. And you can say, but, but listen, I'm not living that, you know, perfect, tidy, tidy, tight, you know, Christian life. I'm not. God doesn't care. God doesn't care. 
Because you know what? The one that's trying and the one that thinks he's doing a little better and the one, we're all at the same level. And, and the pastor of those three, we're all at the same level. We all fall short of the glory of God. Every one of us. Amen? So, so can, we, can we make a commitment? I want it Mother's Day. I don't know why Mother's Day, but maybe because a mother signifies the birth of something. And I wanted something to be birthed here today. Can we take out our hot spots and let them shine? I mean, like, stick them on your forehead. So that everyone that sees you could know, would know. Listen, they could see you from across the room and they could say, if I could only get close to him, if I could only get in his presence, if I could just get in the place where I can get a little signal, then I can connect with God. I can find forgiveness. I can find reconciliation. I can feel his presence again. I can feel his love again. If I could just get a little closer to the hot spot. And, and we can walk around like that. It's such an amazing thing because everywhere you are, there's going to be seven or eight people connected to God through you. And you say, but I'm not called to be a pastor. Yes, you are. You're called to be a minister of reconciliation. Stop leaving it to your pastor. That's why pastors rise and fall. Because you put it all on him. You say, I'll just, I just bring somebody to church and let pastor lead them. No. You're a hot spot. You lead them. And then bring them here to celebrate. We are these mobile, thin places where little is much, where, where the hungry are given bread, where the thirsty find living water. The scriptures are full of these illustrations. John 7, 37 says, whoever believes in me, streams of living water will flow from him. Where are the streams coming from, from our lives? Ask yourself, what, what's stopping the river in your life? Chances are we've put some boulders up. Chances are we've created some dams to keep the water. And we just want to experience a little, we just want to take a little water and splash it on our face. That's what you do when you come here on Sunday and this is it. You're taking a little water from the living stream and splashing it on your face and you feel good. You get emotional, you worship, you cry, you leave and nothing's changed. Remove whatever's stopping up the boulders. Remove whatever's hindering the flow from your life. Let it flow. Don't hide your hot spot. Come on, let's stand right now. Worship team, come. I want to end with a prayer that we find in the... In, in, in the scriptures and it's interesting because the disciples said how should we pray to Jesus and Jesus said you should pray this way and he gave us this sample prayer and this prayer might take some of you back to weird memories it might bring you back to some weird places but nonetheless it's a prayer from the scriptures it's a prayer that Jesus said this is how you should pray. And Jesus said, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. That's a thin place. Jesus said, pray this way. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. So you're, you're saying, God, let me be a thin place. Give us today our daily bread. It means give me what I need to get through today. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. You guys know this prayer. We got the biggest heathens in here know that prayer. Amen? I knew that prayer when I was way far from God. Everybody knows this prayer. 
Forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Can we pray that prayer? Can we close as we pray that prayer? And, and I want you, you know what, I'm not going to have an altar. I'm feeling like there could be a Bronzeville revival jumping. Everybody could be running forward right now. But if God wants to do that, let him do that. I'm not going to do that. I just, because I want it to be personal. I could, I could tell you a hundred emotional stories and get you to come to the front. I don't want you to get you to come to the front. I want you to get out and be a hot spot. I want you to leave this place and be a thin place. That doesn't happen so much here all the time. That happens here. Amen. That needs to happen here. So can we pray that prayer together? And then we'll celebrate with worship. If you, if you guys need some prayer, if you want somebody to pray for you, I'm going to have a couple of hot spots here. The prayer team, you guys can come right now. We'll set up a couple of hot spots right here. If you need to get in range, if you need to get connected, listen, if you've been far from God and you want to come back to God, get in the range of one of the hot spots that are coming up right now. These are some strong hot spots right here. Yes. These, these guys right here have prayed for healing and I've seen people healed at their, at their prayers. I've seen like sicknesses disappear. I've seen pains go away because these, some of these people, I've seen them personally with my own eyes pray and people get changed and healed. So there's some hot spots up here. Are these perfect people? No. But there's some hot spots up here waiting to connect you to God if, you, if that's what you need. If you're far from God, don't stay far from the hot spot. Come forward and get connected. But let's, let's pray this prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. 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 Hallelujah.